From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. New York State Health Commissioner Dr. Howard Zucker came to give a lecture at Upstate Medical University and was kind enough to make time for HealthLink on Air. So he's here in the studio. Uh, Dr. Zucker earned his medical degree from George Washington School of Medicine at age 22, and he's got board certification in six medical specialties and also a law degree from Fordham University. So I want to thank you for being here. Uh, Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And here we are talking in Syracuse in September 2018, and I've heard you're somewhat of a historian, so I wanted to ask about the Spanish flu, which started affecting Syracuse in a huge way in September 1918. Sure. So it's interesting. It's 100 years since the uh, 1918 flu pandemic, which was something which we always reference in in the world of public health. Uh, And we continue to worry about when's the next big flu of, of, of that uh, scale uh, possibly going to happen again. And as the experts say, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when there's going to be a, a, a significant flu. Although last year, uh, far from being something as serious as, as 1918, but last year was a, a tough flu season, as we all remember. And we had in New York State about 115,000 um, confirmed laboratory confirmed cases, and we had about 21,000 uh, individuals hospitalized. We also had uh, a handful of pediatric deaths. We had five pediatric deaths last year, and, and the year before we had actually uh, eight, and, and over the course of the past five years, we've had about 25 uh, pediatric deaths uh, combined. So a big impact. So it is. It is a big impact, and, and it's, it's concerning. I will personally tell you that you know, I have a, a little baby, and, and uh, my baby got the flu uh, under the age of where he could get vaccinated, so he was in that period of time because at that point he was he was only uh, 10 weeks old and so it was you know sitting there looking at a little child with the flu and knowing that uh, uh, the dangers of the flu was pretty um it, it hit home well um the state fairgrounds here in Syracuse was being used as an army camp at that time and the first cases were found in the soldiers that were there and the symptoms that they reported headaches severe stomach problems high fevers general weakness aches that's the same for today, right? It's same the same symptoms? thing. Yes, it's the same thing. 100 years later, the same symptoms. And, and, and the thing is, today, we also have the situation where people travel a lot more than in 1918. Uh, uh, diseases on one, in one part of the world can end up on our shores very quickly. Uh, people cross borders a, a lot more frequently than, than they did back then. Uh, so there are, there are concerns that we have today that, that would make this a little more alarming, although I granted we do have antivirals and, and we have great medical care and ICU care uh, and ventilators, but still, it's a concern. So um, in 1918, it was the young, the healthy, the vigorous that, that were most at risk. Right. And that doesn't, I mean, usually when you hear, talk about flu, I think of the, the very old, the very young that right. are susceptible. Right. right, so I think different flu viruses affect different groups a little bit uh, differently. I think one of the, you raise an interesting point there, because in 1918, we didn't have uh, certain populations of patients that we have today. We have a whole community of transplant patients where there's an increased risk of uh, uh, um, uh, challenges to their immune system, and, uh, and we have uh, patients with HIV-AIDS, uh, we have cancer patients which are surviving, but they're still their immune system may be challenged, they could be on chemotherapy, uh, and so I think that when we look at this issue, uh, we need to recognize that the population is different, and also uh, we have a lot of people who are living into their 90s and older, so you are correct, the old and the young, but the old today is a lot older than, than 
uh, was. in 1918. Well, that makes sense. The um, I looked through a book, and the U.S. Public Health Service at that time was recommending bed rest, good food, salts of quinine, and aspirin. Mm-hmm. So are all four of those things still recommended? Well, I think that uh, good food and, 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 and some rest is always good for any kind of infection. And, uh, you know, I, I would stay, I think we just go with the antivirals, and the, which we have and available if somebody gets sick with the the flu and, and to call your doctor. I think the, the key point here is prevention. And so uh, as we go into the flu season, I think it's important that everyone remembers it is to wash your hands and, and to use anti uh, um, uh, you know, some uh, alcohol-based um, uh, preparations if you can't you know, find a place to wash your hands, keep that around. And then the other thing also is to uh, something which we don't think about as much as that you know, if you sneeze, sneeze into tissue, sneeze into your sleeve, because a lot of times people just sneeze into their hands and then they put their hands on a surface or, or shake hands with somebody and the, and the next thing, you know, virus is spread. So I think that that's something important. And, and to call your health professional. We also have the advantage of the flu shot, which is something which we really should talk about a little bit because uh, last year the, the governor, Governor Cuomo, um, issued an executive order to allow the flu shot to be given to uh, children between the ages of 2 and 18 by pharmacists. Uh, and that was very helpful. So between the time he issued that and the end, and March, which is when the flu season sort of tapered down, we had about 9,000 uh, children in the state that were immunized in that way, which was, which was helpful. Because if you increase access and have more opportunities for somebody to get the flu shot, whether it's at the pharmacy, a doctor's office, a clinic, uh, then the potential of decreasing the spread uh, in the community is great. So the flu vaccine, um, if you got if you got the shot last year, you need to get it again this year, right? You get it again this year, absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so there's a, a segment of the population that doesn't believe the flu vaccine works, or that it's um, they're going to get sick if they get the flu. Well, I, I think the science doesn't support that, and I think that 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 you really need to get vaccinated. And 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 if you have somebody who's elderly who's living in your house, you really should. Uh, you know, take it uh, upon yourself as you know a relative to sort of say it's uh, important that you get the flu shot, uh, and you know we know how to nag our, our relatives for so, on so many things. We should be nagging them on the, these kind of issues as well. The real important ones. Okay, <laughs> uh, let me remind listeners: this is Upstate's Health Link on air. I'm your host Amber Smith, and I'm talking with New York State Health Commissioner Dr. Howard Zucker. So I wanted to ask you about some of the initiatives that you've got going on through the Department of Health. Um, and one is a plan to end the AIDS epidemic. Sure. So where do things stand with that? We're moving forward um, uh, in a very uh, aggressive fashion with this. The, the goal is to have less than 700, uh, the goal is actually zero, but right now the goal is to have less than 750 new cases uh, a year because at that point the curve, we bend the curve and, and we'll be able to uh, and the epidemic uh, in, in New York State um, by 2020. And, and we are, when we looked at our numbers, we, we are on target uh, to achieve that goal, which is excellent. This, the issue of HIV AIDS is, is something which I am uh, really fascinated by because when I um, started my medical career, I actually, uh, it was in the time when AIDS was sort of coming to the mm-hmm. forefront. And we are now on the, the other end of this. And I think that is a, a really attribute to the unbelievable success in public health because it's not as if we have a vaccine. We're just talking about vaccines. It's not if we have a vaccine. So in order to achieve this, it has really been public health in action, whether it's about pre-exposure prophylaxis or uh, uh, post-exposure prophylaxis, uh, the PrEP programs we have, uh, commu- working with communities, uh, the community health um, 
uh, departments. This county has an incredibly uh, uh, great um, health department, and so uh, is a great example of, of working in the area uh, and moving forward and, and getting information out there and talking to doctors and to take away any of the stigma associated with this issue because way back when, uh, people didn't want to talk about this. Uh, and so I think that uh, all of those issues working together, uh, all of those topics working together have been able to have us uh, turn the tide on this, and I'm really pleased that, that we're doing that. So it, it would uh, the the goal is to end the epidemic. There right. there might still be some cases of HIV. Right, right. So so the, the reason we say seven fifty is because when you look at the the epidemiology, it, it, that's when the curve will will turn and then it'll start to go down and there'll be less cases. Um, but uh, obviously the goal is to end up with uh, with uh, eliminating all all new cases of of um, HIV AIDS and and we'll keep uh, we'll work on all fronts. And this is where again the community we work with the community and. And if people speak with relatives and, and others about this, it's very helpful, particularly uh, about uh, treatment. Uh, we're also targeting anyone, well, I should say targeting, but we're, we're identifying anyone who is uh, not immunosuppressed, uh, uh, sorry, who is not um, virally suppressed, sorry, let me correct myself, who is not virally suppressed by um, uh, treatment. And so we're trying to make sure that they get treatment. Okay. Well, I also want to ask you about the opioid crisis. Um, here, sure. in, here in Onondaga County, at least, the number of deaths from opioid overdose was 142 in 2016, and it wasn't quite as high in 2017, but when you talk to the experts, they'll tell you that that doesn't mean there are fewer people using. Um, it's still a huge right. problem. This is, this is one of those challenges which is very, um, very tough for for all of us in, in the community, not just in the medical community, but in general to be able to um, solve this problem. The, the, the opioid crisis has uh, come upon us, not just in New York State, but across the country. Uh, we realize that in order to solve this, we have to uh, think creatively, think outside the box, um, work with, again with the community, and a look at this on more than just a health issue, but there are a lot of uh, social determinants of health that we have to tackle. Uh, we have to look at this from the issues of of everything from um, environment, housing, uh, public health, obviously, um, communities, uh, schools, uh, education. And we are working with the other departments, and we have had many meetings within uh, <coughs> in, in Albany with, with our colleagues uh, to try to figure out what are some of the s solutions we can come up with. And we've also, and I've been out there uh, in the community in, in, as recently as a couple of weeks ago, sitting down with those who are providers, uh, sitting down with those who uh, run clinics or work, working with those who have been uh, addicted uh, and what their recommendations are because the only way to solve this is to sort of understand what some of the challenges are and hear it from the, the front line and from those who, who potentially have been uh, a victim of, of a potential overdose. And, and we also have uh, uh, treatments. We're working with the EM EMT community uh, and we're getting Narcan, uh, Naloxone out there. And we're, we're, there's just, this is a uh, a um, multifaceted approach to some. Well, it seems like it. Now, um, the Food and Drug Administration recently came out against e electronic or e-cigarettes, particularly with the way they're marketed to young right. people. So the Department of Health, what is what is the position on e-cigarettes and vaping? Right. So so we we are concerned about this issue with, with children. The, the marketing of e-cigarettes with these flavors and all the advertisements is something which uh, we need to uh, basically prevent or stop, and I, I, I saw what the FDA did uh, 
we have numbers where we were looking at these uh, the percentages, and it went from five percent to ten percent in some of the high school students. And, and New York State has been the leader in the nation on decreasing cigarette smoking, and uh, we pride ourselves in, in being at the front of that issue. And 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 we don't want anything to turn this back. And and I angry with the uh, with the companies for sort of trying to target kids and recognizing that there are ways to advertise to children to try to get them to um, use products that in the end are something we don't want them to do. And and so we're going to work with our uh, community groups and, and we're going to work with um, uh, others to try to uh, stop the, the use of e-cigarettes. Well, and it's not just the flavors, but uh, we've heard from other experts on this show about the devices themselves are made and they look like a USB port. Right. So you can sort of, you know, here, sneak them into the classroom. Right, so this is all is, is marketing. And, and, and so we have to figure out how to, how to tackle uh, that issue, and, and we've had meetings about this, but but I'm I'm glad that uh, others also feel that this is an important thing uh, to to take on and to make sure that we uh, keep the health of our youth as uh, <coughs> as good as possible. Well, one one last campaign I want to ask you about: um, the Department of Health has for C. Oris Candida. Sure. Right, um, uh, Candida Oris. So this is interesting. This is an infection, it's a fungal infection, and. Um, there are many different types of fungal infections, and, and uh, we know about like sort of different uh, candida infections. For example, sometimes kids get thrush in their mouth, and that's one type. Mm-hmm. But but there's uh, there's also something called candidorus, which is a um, class of a fungal infection, which we've noticed in in New York has been in in some nursing homes and in some uh, hospitals, and we've started to target this, uh, even though the numbers aren't that great, they have gone up, and we've been working with the CDC to um, figure out what we need to do. We, we recognized this uh, about a year and a half ago. We brought in the environmental uh, health experts from the hospitals around, uh, around the state, and as a matter of fact, people, because of what we were doing, there were, there were other states that came to, uh, to our meeting, and we spoke with them about what we can do to clean the surfaces. This particular type of uh, infection actually is a little more hardy than some of the other types of uh, infections, and they they stay on the surface, uh, and they need to they, they hang around the surface a little bit more. Surfaces uh, like countertops, uh, countertops or right, skin, right? Well, uh, both, but the countertops. Oh. So in the hospital, we we notice that the closer to the patient, the more those surfaces are are exposed. So, and then when you're in a hospital, someone may take the blood pressure cuff machine and then move it to the next room or something else. And and so this is where we need to figure out how do we how do we tackle this. Um, and so we're working with our experts about this, and we're working with the CDC. We published an article about this just recently, uh, and we're, we're going to take this on and continue to take it on to uh, try to figure out what we need to do uh, to prevent this. Now, it's hard to decide where is it beginning, where is it coming from. Is it is it from, uh, uh, let's say, a nursing home, back to the hospital, or vice versa? And, and like I'm saying, it's not like the, it's all over, but once you see something creep up, even if the numbers are you know, only in, in a dozens versus, you know, thousands and thousands of numbers, uh, you still, you use that as sort of the marker to say, okay, we need to figure out what's going on and, and take it on. And again, I just want to clarify, I don't want people to think that thrush is like that. I'm just using that as, as a, an example, as an example sure. that there's a family of, of uh, uh, infections. And so sometimes some of them you treat and it's fine. And then there's other types in that family that you get a little more worried about. So I don't want anyone to get confused right. on that. Well, good to know. This has all been very good information. I appreciate you being here. Thanks so much. My guest has been Dr. Howard Zucker, the Health Commissioner of New York State.
I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.